0: The Case Against Socialism by Senator Rand Paul. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Uh, So (laughs) we've been waiting for people to make the case against socialism because it's not being made anywhere. We're erasing our history and we are not teaching what socialism really is. Most people think that it's like some sort of social network or I love this one. Just charity. It's kindness.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing. You look at polls of young people, and over half of the young people have a favorable perception of socialism, but then you do an additional polling question. You say, well, what is socialism? And only about 16, 17 percent of young people can identify it as state ownership of the means of production. And so really, you're right. They're confused, but that confusion is, is, is a real problem. You know, when I was a kid, uh, liberals who probably were socialists were embarrassed to say they were. And they would never use the word because it had negative connotations. The fact that we've gotten to a point in our history where the negative connotations, the genocide and the famine that seem to have always been associated with real socialism, that seems to be lost. Our government schools are not teaching about Hitler's socialism or Stalin's socialism or Mao or Pol Pot or Castro or even now Chavez and Maduro. They're not teaching the kids about this, and we have even some crazy people on television. I don't know if you've ever heard of the show, The View, but we got a crazy woman screaming on that program at me, Godot Maduro is a thug, he's a thug, he's not a socialist. And it's like, well, maybe he's a socialist and a thug, and maybe there's a connection between socialism and thuggery.
0: Well, they will, but they will not, as you found out, they will not admit that. They admit that they'll say that that's just socialism done wrong. But when you ask where has it been done correctly, they can't tell you. They'll say places like Sweden. And I know in your book you you say that uh, Sweden' riches actually come from capitalism, and the Nordic model is welfareism, not socialism. What's the difference? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we look at this extensively in the book because this is what Bernie and AOC point towards. They point to that we want the socialism of Scandinavia. But like when the prime minister of Denmark heard this, he said, Bernie, pipe down, we're not socialist. We're open for business. We have private property. The corporations are owned privately. We have free and open trade with the world. And in fact, most economic indexes list the Scandinavian countries in the top 10 of sort of the freest trading and free market countries. Now they do have a welfare state and we have to decide whether we want that welfare state. But what Bernie is telling you about their welfare state is also untrue. He's saying that we can have all these free socialist goodies in America, but we're only going to tax the rich people. In Scandinavia, what we discovered in the book is the vast majority of the taxes are paid by the working class through a 25% sales tax and also through an income tax that starts at about 60000 it's 60% income tax. Oh so the middle class and the poor are paying the taxes for all the so-called free things in Scandinavia.
0: And the free things are not even free things. For instance, <laughs> uh, college. They say free universal college.
1: No. And free, I put in quotation marks, because it isn't free. They pay for it through high taxes. But the other thing about college that's interesting, we learned in looking at it, their percentage of people who go to college, even though it's free, is not a great deal higher than ours because guess what? When it is free, you have to restrict the access. So it's sort of like healthcare. You wait in line for health care because everybody wants to go because it's free, so you have to restrict the access. Same with college. If it's free, everybody wants to go. So they have extensive exams. They do in China as well. They have these 10-hour exams in China to get into college. So we think as, you know, the people who want to be free ought to be careful what they wish for because they may they may well be one of those not going to college because they don't do very well in the exam.
0: So the um let me go back in time too, um, uh, because you you spend some time uh about authoritarianism that is linked with socialism. And um in in that section you talk about uh Hitler, uh how the Nazis hated it. Uh, how it encourages eugenics. Is there anything in this in this section that really stood out to you as the point that can that that can change people?
1: You know, I think the question of the book is is whether or not uh, violence is inherent uh, to socialism. And so Hayek and others have said, that when you want complete socialism, when you want complete ownership of the means of production, of private property, and when the government does that, there will be resistance. So the reason why you don't get kinder, gentler dictators or kinder, gentler socialist leaders is that if you're too kind, the people will resist you. You have to be ruthless. So in some ways, in order to get the property from its previous owners, you select out for the most ruthless so we shouldn't be surprised that it's Hitler, then it's Stalin, then it's Mao, then it's Pol Pot. We shouldn't su- be surprised that there is a ruthlessness and a violence because people don't want to have their stuff taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the um, uh, the idea that uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, could be the candidate for for uh, the Democratic presidential uh, campaign is a little terrifying to anyone that I know that runs a business, big or small. Uh, What do you think think the ramifications are of, of one of these real socialists getting in?
1: I think it's interesting that, you know, everybody said, oh, Wall Street loves Hillary Clinton. And then immediately after she was defeated, Wall Street roared. And so I think the same would happen in reverse with Elizabeth Warren. If she were to take over, Wall Street will curl up in a ball and say oh my goodness what are we going to do for four years the uncertainty of all the new regulations if there's one thing she's famous for it's regulating the heck out of businesses and it does stifle innovation and it stifles growth I I saw some statistics it was yesterday the day before on the Trump administration still repealing regulations the economic boom and and boost that you get from repealing regulations and having business believe they're not going to be overregulated, uh, I don't think can be overstated.
0: So you you make the point in the book about um, about capitalism being the best thing for the poor and and everything else, except it's flipped around by the media and by universities that really socialism is about caring socialism is about charity it's it's all about heart and it's that evil capitalism that is really putting people down
1: we have an interesting quote in the book where we talk about who tries to is trying to please whom in socialism or capitalism in capitalism people are producing goods and they care about the democratic vote of everybody buying those goods. So they really care about the consumers, and they do care about the people because they're trying to produce something at the least expensive cost and get more people to like their stuff. Under socialism, it's not so much caring about the consumers, it's caring about uh, the people who support your candidacy and within the party and pleasing those people. So there ends up being an elite in both societies. In a capitalist society, under democratic capitalism people vote every day with their dollars and whoever makes the best stuff at the cheapest price gets more of those dollars under socialism you have a top 1% so in venezuela there is a top 1% but it's maduro so the maduro's 50 pounds overweight and the average venezuelan's lost 20 pounds mm-hmm. so there's a, an elite but it's him and his generals who are well fed and and everyone else is starving
0: Rand, let me switch uh topics um the president has uh allowed um our troops to be withdrawn from syria uh and i'm really torn on this because these guys we were in bed with they were corrupt from the beginning when when john mccain went over with hillary clint uh with uh, not hillary clinton with uh, barack obama's uh blessings to embrace these people uh I, I, I ranted every night. These are not good people. We should not be over in inserting ourselves in with these people, especially. This is not going to work out well. Now the president pulls people out and we have this mess on our hand. But I I don't know how else to get out of there other than just to get out of there.
1: Well, people need to remember the beginning of the Syrian war. And for years and years, it was Lindsey Graham and Hillary Clinton, both on the same side, both supporting Sunni extremists against Assad. Now Assad is no angel, but most of the Christians in the country actually sided with Assad and had been a minority religion protected by Assad's government for decades. But the Sunni extremists that we supported, or our government supported, Hillary Clinton and Lindsey Graham, if those people had taken over, my fear is that their ideology would have been closer to the ISIS caliphate than it would have been to anything the West is But it's a very complicated situation. Turkey is, a, is misbehaving in the region, buying Russian missiles, et cetera. They are uh, an authoritarian government and a NATO ally. By the NATO alliance, we're supposed to defend them against attack. Their current allies are somebody called the Free Syrian Army. That's who's uh, doing a lot of these battles within Syria. It's a militia, but we were allied with the Free Syrian Army for seven years. They're fighting against the Kurds. The Syrian Kurds, uh, uh, their political ideology is socialism. In fact, the Kurdish Workers' Party is socialist and terrorist within Turkey. Interestingly, the Iraqi Kurds, who have been our friends and have some autonomy in Iraq, don't like the Syrian Kurds and actually have an arrangement with Turkey where they've turned over Kurdish Worker Party uh, terrorists back to Turkey. The Iraqi Kurds have a good relationship with Turkey currently. There's 1,800 Turkish businesses in Iraqi Kurdistan. That's the model we should be looking for. And I think the irony of this is, if you care about the Kurds, it actually may turn out that in the last 24 hours, there is an alliance between Assad and the Kurds developing, and that maybe the Syrians can convince the Turks that they will control their country. There will be no Kurdish incursions into Turkey, but there need be no Turkish incursions into Syria. And maybe there could be a development of a semi-autonomous region. Assad needs allies. If he could get the Kurds to be allies and say, we are Syrian Kurds, we have a province up here, you leave us largely alone, kind of like a federal model like we have, maybe there could be some peace. What's been preventing peace for years now is the neocons have said, oh, we have to topple Assad and we have to have regime change, and nobody would talk to Assad. In the end, I think Assad is there to stay, at least for a while, and needs to be part of any kind of peace plan.
0: But you would admit that this is really ugly right now.
1: It is, and I think it's also something we had no control over. So the Turks called up President Trump and said, we're coming one way or another, and President Trump looked at his generals and said, we have 50 people there. Would it be smart to leave 50 people in the wave of a Turkish invasion? The mainstream media is pointing it out. Oh, he gave them the green light and said, come on, we'll get out of the way. I don't think that's the way it developed. I think the way it developed is, The Turks have been chomping at the bit for a year or two to come in and wipe out the people who they believe are their enemies and some of whom probably are terrorists. They've been wanting to wipe them out. And I think the discussion was finally Erdogan says we are coming one way or another, and then the president had to decide whether or not leaving 50 soldiers in the middle of a war was a good idea. The president also said from the very beginning that his goal was to defeat ISIS. ISIS is defeated. ISIS holds no territory. Is the ideology still there? Are there still some people? Sure, there always will be. But ISIS is defeated. That was our goal. Our goal was not to make Syria a country. Our goal was not to give the Syrian Kurds a country. Our goal was to defeat ISIS. And so I think we did accomplish that goal, and we shouldn't change the goal.
0: Senator Rand Paul, thank you so much. I appreciate it. The name of the book is The Case Against Socialism. It's uh, available everywhere now. Senator Rand Paul. Ah, Thank you so much for listening to the program today. I'm going to play a couple of pieces of uh, audio here for you. Uh, First, let's go to the ever-lovely, ever-talented LeBron James. Uh, This was his uh, uh, statement about the Houston Rockets uh, GM and China. Listen. We, We all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications. For the negative that can happen mm-hmm. um, when you're not thinking about others
2: and only, oh. you only think about yourself so oh. um, i don't believe uh, i don't want to get into a, a word
0: a, a word or sentence uh, feud with daryl S- a sentence um, feud with daryl uh, Morey, but mm. i believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation oh. at hand oh. and um, oh. and he spoke and, and uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Oh, spiritually um, so armed. Just be careful what we what we tweet and we say, what mm. we do. Oh. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with
3: that too. Is, is that right, LeBron? Yeah. Are you learning okay. that today, okay. LeBron?
0: Hang on just a sec. Hang on just a sec. Oh. Let me translate first, because oh, this is how no, this is how shallow this guy is. Let me translate. Uh, Look, uh, I don't want to get into a war of words because, honestly, I'm probably not as smart as the (laughs) Rockets GM. The the guy that went to MIT? No, probably not. Yeah, so I don't really—I don't want to get into a war of words here. I just want to say I don't think he was educated on the situation. And that situation is is that we all keep our mouths shut to make lots and lots of money for the NBA in China— And with him talking about it, a lot of people could have had contracts that were lost. A lot of people could have uh, had huge reductions in their salary. And he wasn't thinking about any of us rich sons of bitches that are making money (laughs) off the backs of literal slaves and people who are going to be murdered. I don't know about them. I don't care about them. But a lot of people could have been really, really hurt. I mean... The spiritual wounds that would have happened to us millionaires had we lost the money of China is is unincalculable. Unincalculable? There yeah. Um, There's a translation
3: for you. I will say this. Uh, you've done him much more justice than he deserves. Really? <laughs> no, because the, Even with if,
0: unincalculable?
3: Unincalculable would have been the <laughs> smartest thing he said in that statement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, first of all, mm-hmm. uh, it is not Daryl Morey who was uneducated about the situation in Hong Kong as it relates to China. To who? Uh, It is uh, everybody else seemingly in the NBA that Mm -hmm. doesn't know anything about what China has done. And of course, Mm -hmm. as you point out, also, which wants to sell a bunch of shoes in Hong Kong. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. They
0: don't care. It's all about money, um, which is really despicable, especially. Especially when you come out and say when this is what happens when you don't think of other people. You mean he was supposed to think of all the millionaires over the people who are going to probably be murdered by China just so they could have the freedom to speak? That is...
3: I mean, this is from a guy who tweeted, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Thank you, MLK. Ugh! Look who's being selfish here who's only thinking of themselves of course it's the players and these owners daryl morey who by the way is is tough to have all that much sympathy for because he also backed down from uh standing with hong kong so it's not like he's an angel in this either by the way but the fact is you know if you spent a month crafting the dumbest thing to say about China and Hong Kong, you wouldn't come close to touching LeBron James in this situation. <laughs> no.
0: How much of this is A, the uh, cold medicine, <laughs> B, your absolute <laughs> disdain and distaste <laughs> for LeBron James? All that I will not say they do not play a role. Okay, all it's right. It's like, okay.
3: like, let's put it this way uh, Did I get that job on the board because my last name was Biden? I can't say it didn't play a role. <laughs> Uh, however, I believe okay. I deserved
0: it. All right, okay. I'll tell you what. I'd like to continue this conversation, but only after you've had another cup of Nyquil. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> this is Ny- This isn't this- even Dayquil. Imagine <laughs> no. me on Dayquil. <laughs> this is. This is going to get good. This is going to get good. All right, back in just a second. That was the company. All right, you sick Freak. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. This is the Glenn Beck program tonight at five o'clock. We have quite an episode for you. Um, We—that's my Barack Obama doing an Irishman impression, by the way. Top of the morning to ya. Uh, we have—we uh, have a guy who was in the embassy in the U.S. helping Chalupa. Uh, he was the uh, Ukrainian embassy. What's his name, Jason? Andrei Teloshenko. Love Andrei Teloshenko and all of the Teloshenko family. <laughs> um, what did he do at the embassy? What was his role? So he was, he was a
2: political officer. Uh, he's also been a, an advisor to uh, one of the former prosecutor generals. Uh, he was an advisor for another uh, deputy prosecutor general. Um, so he's had his, his fingers in a lot of things going on in Ukraine. Um, he did not help uh, Chalupa, actually. He was one of the, I mean, he was one of the whistleblowers on their side that was saying there's something going on with how the DNC, through this woman, is working with our embassy in D.C. And this is, he, he was saying, this
0: is categorically, you know, wrong. This should not be going on. Now, what eventually happened was two people were convicted and I love, th- I love the fact, love, 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 love the fact that the Democrats continue to use their national anti-corruption board that um, uh, that we forced them to build. Uh, that's the right name, N-A-C-B, right? Yeah, National Anti-Corruption Bureau. Bureau, okay. And they keep talking about it. You'll hear about it and you'll read about it all the time that they the Republicans were against this National Corruption Bureau. The guy who was running the National Corruption Bureau was sentenced to prison in a court case for interfering in American elections okay so they their their national bureau of corruption was corrupt itself yeah but glenn that case was 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 thrown out no it wasn't thrown no it wasn't thrown out (laughs) it wasn't thrown out okay so um uh, this guy was there and what they're trying to say chalupa is really a main player and you'll notice they're not talking about her they'll just dismiss her as a soccer mom she's not a soccer mom she is very, very well placed inside the DNC. And she was using the Ukrainian embassy in Washington as the funnel to meet with people to try to get the dirt on Donald Trump and try to get the dirt on uh, Paul Manafort. Now, he was a privy to some of these meetings or uh, tell me his story. So he, he was so
2: before uh, he got involved with Chalupa, he was uh, he helped set up this uh, this meeting at, Wash- at, at with the Obama White House with this uh, National Corruption Bureau. Was he there? I believe he was there. <gasps> oh,
0: I hope so. Wait, I have so many questions for him. Yeah, he was the one that helped set it up. But his oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, so uh, wait, wait, wait. In case you don't know, in case you missed the chalkboard, by the way, new chalkboard probably coming next week. New chalkboard. You're going to love it. Uh, Anyway, um, so this guy, if you don't remember from the chalkboard, Obama held a meeting and said to all the prosecutors and the National Anti-Corruption Bureau, hey, come on over to Washington. We want you to meet with the FBI, and we just want to show you how not to be corrupt. (laughs) And uh, so they all came over, and several sources have said, This is where the Manafort thing was really launched. Uh, Chalupa had already proposed this to several people, and she spoke right before this meeting with a bunch of press people from Ukraine. Then they had this meeting with all the prosecutors, and prosecutors now say that they left feeling like, we didn't really learn much, but did you get the impression we're all supposed to look for things on Manafort and on Donald Trump? Right, so Chalupa,
2: a month before this meeting, told the DNC, remember she's getting paid by the DNC, she goes, I think that there's a Russia connection somewhere in the Trump campaign, I think it has to do with Paul Manafort. So a month later, this meeting is set up, and they were brought there on the premise of, hey, we're just building cooperation between us, you know, helping you guys not be corrupt, showing what we've learned over the last (laughs) 200 plus years. And then all of a sudden, instead of, you know, the, the conversation centering around that, it suddenly went towards... Hey guys, we want you to concentrate on these two things. One, this whole Hunter Biden thing with Burisma and all that stuff. You know, we don't want you to talk about
0: that. Yeah, that's not important. That's not important. Don't look at that. But even though, even though we knew at the time of that meeting that the bank we put 1.8 trillion dollars in, right? I want to make sure I have this right. Yeah, 1.8 trillion dollars. That that money had just disappeared and it went to offshore entities nobody knows where it went and they were saying "Uh, this is kind of a problem because the guy who has that bank the guy who runs that bank is the guy who also runs barisma and we really need to look into it and our government that was our money that was lost and our government said yeah don't worry about that we really need you to look into uh, uh paul manafort
2: It was a case that, so I don't think they believe they said Paul Manafort, we'll ask him tonight, I don't think they said Paul Manafort by name, but the case involved Paul Manafort directly. Okay. So whatever they implicated there, it was instantaneously Paul Manafort wasn't going to get implicated. But then, just a few months later, the Black Ledger pops out. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and that is the only mm-hmm. thing they released that it was directly related to that case, and it was the only, like, really the only name that they released. Like, wouldn't you name a bunch of Ukrainian people, you know, mm-hmm. that was in the Black Ledger? That that affects mm-hmm. you. No. They decided to release the name of someone that was directly tied to the 20, uh, the 2016 camp presidential campaign.
0: Now, hmm. here's the interesting thing. Um, they release this Black Ledger, and who releases it? <laughs> One guy. He is... He's parliamentary right isn't he in parliament member of parliament Lyshenko. yeah Lyshenko. um and uh, he releases it but he also releases it with his other good buddy who's the head of the anti-corruption bureau yeah okay so the bureau that they're all hanging their hat on saying no there's the, the, everybody was trying to say that we were uh, that we should stop working with the national anti-corruption bureau Yes, because they were corrupt. That guy and the parliamentarian were uh, taken to court. That's the guy who we have the the secret recording of that. No one, no one yet in mainstream media is even talking about, let alone play it. They won't even talk about it. That audio that we have where they're saying, yeah, we we, yeah, of course, we we uh, interfered with the Trump campaign. Uh, We were doing work for Hillary Clinton. That went to court. Those guys were convicted. Now, there is a a law in the Ukraine, and it's you can't put in prison a parliamentary member or something like that? Yeah, that's what was interesting, his defense. So this was
2: Leshenko's defense. Now, you would think the way the media has been talking about this, that his defense was— um, yeah, I didn't do it because of this fact, this fact, this fact, this fact, and all these, all this evidence. That's mm-hmm. why I am innocent. That's why I'm not going to prison. That's why I'm not going to prison. No. His defense was, yeah, I didn't do those things, and here's my evidence. Uh, you can't legally uh, prosecute a member of parliament. Uh, you also, uh, the statute of limitations is over, and there was a third one. Uh, again, it was procedural. I mean, literally, that's like in a murder case, you know, like if someone gets off. This a murder is like, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, exactly the clubs that.
0: didn't fit. <laughs> exactly. That's right. what that was. I mean, it is it is a sham. Everyone a over there, jam. they all know he's guilty. Yes. But he's running around free because of technicalities. Right. And so our press is reporting this and see, they didn't really do this. <laughs> right. They didn't really do this. Explain the tape where they're admitting they did it. Explain the guilty verdict. You can't. You can't. They just have to say, well, it was dismissed. No, it wasn't. It was brought up in a in a new trial. Uh, he uh, contested it, but it didn't even go to the facts. It just went, you can't per- you can't go after me. You can't come after me yeah. because of the law in Ukraine. And that's why he's not in prison today. I mean, it protects the corrupt. And don't you see that happening in our country as well? You think these people would actually go to jail? No, they're not going to jail. I,
2: I, the Ukraine is so crazy. I kind of feel like if you land in, in Kiev airport, there's a line of dirty politicians waiting to give you money to do something for them. Don't you really want go? yeah, to yes. really go? Don't you want to go? I really want to
0: go. I really want to go. You know, we just stand in the airport with signs that say, we'll work for oil money. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, so this guy... Have you heard, how does the press take this guy off that we have on tonight's show? He's going to be with us live from, he had to go to Vienna, I think. He was supposed yeah. to be in the building yesterday, uh, and he was called to Vienna, so he's in Vienna, but he'll be via satellite with us. Um, uh, what what are, what are the bad things that they're trying to say about him? So the the only thing that I've seen the way they've tried to attack
2: him is just to say that he was part of uh you know the the ukrainians that were trying to get on the good side of trump um that's the same thing that they said about the prosecutor general lutsenko uh, Who
0: Lusenko, like there is this is the guy that that joe biden okayed One of to replace guys. he was the good guy he yeah. was the good guy shokin was the bad guy you got to get rid of that prosecutor you put this guy in they put him in and now suddenly you can't trust him. Yeah. So you couldn't trust the last guy, and you can't trust this guy. But you didn't have a problem with this guy until he started coming out and saying, hey, you know what, now that I'm in the main seat, uh, yeah, I think I need to look into Burisma. I think I need to look into the corruption that was happening and the tampering with the U.S. elections. Yeah. I- I'm so sick of the-, and the way the media's been
2: reporting to this. I haven't really heard them go and actually talk to any of these people at all, except for John Solomon. He's, he's talked to them and put them on video. But the rest of them haven't. And if you if you talk if you read anything from the New York Times, Washington Post, or whatever, their defense on this is every time they uh, a Ukrainian politician does something that the Obama administration didn't like, oh, it was because they corrupt, or oh, it was because they had some other political you know motivation for this. Mm-hmm. They never actually dig in and, and, and look at the facts. They never do it. But we're going to do that tonight.
0: You like, do you want to hear what if I you know I'm serious about going over to Ukraine? I would like to do whatever it takes to have. An interview with these 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 players because nobody is doing it, and if it takes me going over to Ukraine and sitting in front of their house to do it, then that's what we'll do. But we've got to have these people on record because they're not doing it. I I heard uh, I I listened to the New York Times the daily every day, so you don't have to. And uh, Jason, I, I I gave you something yesterday from Friday's daily, did I not? Yeah, and. I said to you, Jason, our whole case falls apart if this is true. And because we're trusting that this one guy is accurate, and they're saying that he's retracted what he said under oath. And I said, we've got to find out if that's true, because I couldn't find it anywhere. It took you, what, three hours to find it? Yeah. Because of the circular... The Washington Post is quoting the New York Times and the New York Times is quoting the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street Journal link was broke. So we couldn't find how where is the source of this because we hadn't heard it next week. We're going to reveal the source, among others, of how they're playing this game. And it is. It is the most corrupt thing I've seen yet, I think, from the press. And these
2: are investigative journalists. Yes. Like They're the ones that shouldn't just be looking for links. They should
0: be going and talking to these people, getting information that backs up that claim and that claim. They're not even doing that. Right, and this is not our job. My job is I can tell the story. I can make complex things make sense. They can't do that. Their job is to bring the facts to light, but they're not doing it. They're just telling a story. They're not bringing actual facts to light. They've already deemed it to be this way, and they are only tracking those facts. I want you to know, I said to, uh, to Jason this morning, track all of the stuff that they're saying about Rudy Giuliani. I want to know how much of this is true. What, what was his role? I don't care about who goes to jail. What I care about is the integrity of the United States government. If we can't trust the Republicans and or the Democrats... When they have power not to enrich themselves, not to be totally and completely corrupt, there's nothing worth fighting for here in our government. There's no reason to vote. There's a reason to um, uh, cast off the chains of this dirty, corrupt government and start anew as the Declaration of Independence insists we must. I want to find the truth. And if you're looking for the truth tonight, 5 o'clock, join us. Blaze TV. Subscribe now. You're going to save 10%. Use the promo code Glenn. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code Glenn. 5 o'clock tonight, you're going to hear firsthand from the Ukrainian that was in the embassy working and, and seeing what the DNC was doing with the prosecutors over in Ukraine. You're not going to find this story anyplace else. Live tonight at five o'clock. Don't miss it. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the one of the worst abortionists uh, in the history of America uh, is a guy and a story that the press just doesn't care about. Uh, He is a guy who may have kept all the fetal remains as revenge for World War II. We have a couple of people who actually did a documentary on him uh, and spoke to him one-on-one. And it's quite a story that you should hear. It's coming up next. You're listening to Glenn Beck.